Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. If I look back on my career, there are some standout moments with stuff that we worked on as teams that were just actually really, really good. We yeah. changed the law in the UK to help you know, protect children from kidnappers. I got to go down number 10 and Tony Blair showed me around number 10 because we campaigned, I ran his campaign in the millennium when there was a recession going on. We got thousands of people back into work the way the family broke down and the way that I got kicked out and he didn't take me in. He did have the opportunity to take me in. He got did actually help me out and put me into temporary accommodation. A boy, 21, um, and he's in aerospace engineering. He's got actually a really decent job and they work four days a week. They get to finish early on a Friday yeah. and they can do remote working. So he's in a good position. And he's already going, oh yeah, but I don't like this treadmill. Here, the public sector is completely leading the charge. Yeah. And it's the private sector that needs to wake up to this and realize. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Are you in first or am I? I don't know. You know what? I ju- When you were away and I tried to do it, I'm like, you best I sort of, well, I turned over to look for, you know, just by default. And but I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to say the name. And I was I, traveling. And I, I got it wrong. Oh, of course. You would have been so excited. I always get it wrong. I got it wrong. You can't get today wrong. I know. In the studio today, we have Scott Armstrong. I got that one right. I'm sure that was easy enough. Welcome to the Rooted Within podcast yeah. <laughs> with Scott Armstrong. Funnily enough, I did get asked the question, is there any relation? Armstrong. To Louis, Armstrong. Neil. All of them. Any of them. Special uh, ones. Famous ones. We're yeah. proud of pretty much all of them apart from Lance. <laughs> Oh, I mean, like, he was a legend one, for a while. For a, for a long time. For a while, he was like, there, yeah. he got done for doping. I and then he found, they found out the only reason he was a legend was because he was cheating. How many times did he make? Quite a few times. <laughs> we, go, we, go, we always go for the tangent. <laughs> this is early for the tangent, I know, this though. is about you, not Lance Armstrong. This, this is usually where we end up, but we do. We do come back. So welcome to the studio. Oh, thank you for having me here. <laughs> it's great to have you here. So if you're not related to Lance, who is Scott Armstrong? Oh, that's a big question. I'm not sure I still know. Uh, I am a storyteller, I guess. I've been a journalist since I was 16 years old. Didn't go to university, started in newspapers before the internet existed. Um, And I've been telling people stories ever since. How was that? Like, because back then, the media was different. It was brilliant. Yeah, actually, the media stood for something then as well. It wasn't just about clickbait and all that sort of thing. You could actually... It was real journalism. It was real journalism. Real storytelling and and investigative. And you had time. Yeah, you didn't have the resources. You didn't have the internet. How did you get into it at 16? Uh, Well... I was I was kind of lucky. I got introduced into it. English was like the only thing I was really any, any good at. Um, when I was 15, we were not in a really great space. Um, family breakup, bit of time on the streets, bit of time couch surfing, all that kind of thing. You have time on the street. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. Guests yeah. on our so, podcast always just dropping these little things. It's like, whoa, let's just go back a step. Little bombshells and just keep going. I'm like, uh, street. Okay, let's go. Rewind. At 15? Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't easy. The family break, you know, it was a family breakup. Okay. My dad got divorced. There was an emotionally abusive stepfather. He used to kind of threaten to throw me through windows. And, oh, wow. You know, uh, occasionally they decided that I should no longer stay there. And unfortunately, I got estranged from my father at the time. Yeah. We, we, came, we became close in later life. But, yeah, so, um, yeah. Kind you of got bumped. thrown out of home at 15? Uh, yeah, yeah. And 
Sorry, mum was okay with that? Uh, or look, didn't look, have a... Yeah, we. my relationship with mum, and if you're watching, sorry about this mum, is has been difficult and on and off ever since then, really. So, wow. and it's, yeah, I, I'm not sure I've even, we haven't had that proper conversation yet. Yeah. And I still probably haven't dealt with all of that and that kind of rejection. That, that trauma. Of that yeah. Direction. Yeah, yeah, and it actually was, it actually yeah. was trauma. But um, no, no, but journalism was kind of my saviour. It's just wow. I got, got introduced to it, landed on my feet, a weekly newspaper in a town called... How did you get introduced to it? Uh, through my girlfriend, my then girlfriend's father. Okay. who was a parish councillor who knew the local paper. This was like a, a weekly Friday newspaper in a market yeah. town called Newark. Okay, I um, know Newark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I won't tell you what it's an anagram for. Uh, uh, you can work that one out for yourself. Yeah, and that's started from there and I've just been telling stories ever since, really. So. Okay. But at 16, where were you living? Uh, around, a lot of couch surfing. So a lot of friends and a lot of couch surfing. At one point, me and some friends tried to get a place together. That was interesting. We ended oh. up with no water, no power, no heat in the middle of, you know, no gas in the middle of. So we'd sometimes like have foil trays trying to start a fire. I'm amazed we didn't burn ourselves yeah. to death because we were literally trying to do a campfire in, the in middle, a living room. In a living room. Oh, wow. There were, there were a couple of nights where it was actually warmer to go onto the streets and sleep with people on the streets because there was more people around and you could keep warm and they had But why didn't you have like power and energy? Money. Because we didn't have any money. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you had each other. Yes, we had each other. What a beautiful time that was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, life changing. You could, you could have been, you know, it's a, to, to share that with the people as opposed to be on your own because like 15, 16 to... It was a luck. I'm, I'm really great, grateful that my, my children don't have to go through the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I'm... I think only at 50 years old, beginning to try and figure out, hang on, there's something there that, you know, that traumas. I've had imposter syndrome all my life, never felt quite good enough, you know, all that sort of thing. And then when you kind of wake up to, I don't know, whether you call it self-awareness or mental health and you begin to look at it, you go, oh yeah, I wonder if that had anything to do with it. Yeah. So. I'm going to jump ahead for one second and then we'll, we'll come back. Is that childhood experience the reason why you are doing what you're doing today? Yes and no. Well, yes. it's one. Part yeah. of I, I kind of say I got three whys. And okay. the, the first one is me. And the first one, I need to kind of forgive that kid in some ways. You know, I need to make peace with that kid. Um, so there's that. So I am one of them. What did you need to forgive? Ah, that's a good question, really. Just, I told you she asked the good one. Yeah, no, it's, just, <laughs> no, it's, it's that whole, just a like, very curious just person. trying to get, get some peace with who... You know, that that insecure kid. I was bullied at school. I yeah. didn't step up enough, you know. I've had that insecurity pretty much all the way through. So, yeah, just trying to figure, you know, go back to that going, do you know what, you, you're not to blame for any of all of that. It, it's just the it way that... It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. Just which, who you were. Pardon? It's just who you were at the time. It's just who I was at the time, yeah. uh, you know, and it's taken... And it's a card you were dealt. Uh, yeah, and that's how I've got to kind of process it and mm. figure out, okay, so... The confidence, you know, the versus the insecurity. How do I, at 50 years old, yeah. kind of go, right, yeah, you, you are good enough. And this is something that with the platform, we try to talk about a lot. Like so many of us have got imposter syndrome. So yeah. many of us don't actually genuinely believe we're good enough. And it's like, mm. well, we really actually are. And when did you know you had imposter syndrome? Oh, do you know what? It kind of, well, I, I had it all the time. I think it came through after my father's death. Four years ago, my father had a mental health breakdown and drank himself to death in three months. And I genuinely, and it's, it's just like, I looked down on his body in, in the open casket. I went, we never talked about this. 
Yeah. And I, because he was your typical 1970s, strong British, repressed, didn't talk about their feelings. Because yeah. men ma- generally didn't. Men didn't. Masked they with still alcohol. Don't, yeah. uh, to a great degree, they, 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 no, still they don't. don't. Well, get into the statistics mm. on that if you want, but uh, they're yeah. terrifying. But yeah, and I just, at that point, it was like, no, I've got to start talking about this stuff. And then it was kind of like, I've got to start talking to myself about this stuff, yeah. you know, because there is, there is confidence issues there and you know about it. So I think it was there. It's funny because I've done my, I've been a journalist nearly all of my life. Mm. Yeah. Uh, forgive me for being a journalist, but I took a kind of step, a sidestep into communications mm-hmm. and I worked for a really good company, Hill and Alton uh, Communications. Great, great agency. Uh, great agency and really good people there. But it was so bizarre that, even moving slightly tangentially, because you wouldn't think there's a big difference between journalism and communications. Yeah. We're off, but there is. There is. You know, but I didn't think that going okay. in. But the minute I couldn't call myself an editor or the minute I couldn't call myself a journalist, I was like, I have no idea who I am. So, you know, you come back to that question about mm. oh, who is Scott. Mm. I was like, if someone had sat to me going, like, okay, put the job aside, who are you? I'm like, I genuinely don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I knew who I was when I was 16 or I knew the things I liked when I was 16. But, you know, when you, when you go, right, so you've got Scott the husband, Scott the father, Scott the worker, Scott the colleague, Scott the boss, Scott the... Those like, are all things that you do, they're not all, who you are. Exactly. It's like, who is that person? So it's been a journey since then, particularly, yeah, probably the last two, three years on like, who is Scott? What what are the values? What's important to me? Have, have you nailed a few of your values? Yes. Yeah, I have. Can yeah. you give me your three? Uh, it's... Really, it's trying to be of value, mm. you know, which being of is, service. yeah, being of service. And, and that's why I want to try and have these conversations about mental health. But also I stand up for myself and I show up for myself mm. now in ways that I've never done. And I've got, I wouldn't say he's the imposter syndrome, so I can't say nice things about myself, but I am definitely leaning into my principles more, you know, stand up for what is right. Mm. Stand up for yourself, yep. you know, don't bend even when, you know, other people want you to bend in a certain different direction because they don't agree with what your vision for something mm. might be. If it's truly important to you, then then stay to it. You know, yeah. the old Frank Sinatra, do it your way. And yeah. so, set those boundaries. I, yeah, I've begun to get prouder of myself, which is not something I've been able to say. Oh, it's not a word I would have used. Mm. It's not that I haven't done stuff that I'm proud of. I have. But yeah. to say it to yourself. But I wouldn't have said it to, it to myself. Yeah, I, I always needed the pat on the head. Yeah. You know, I always, always needed the validation. It wasn't, do you know what? I'm, I'm really rating myself for actually but, having done that and, and, and how, holding the line and not. How did imposter syndrome affect the way you were a journalist? Because as a journalist, you really got to stick to your own guns because mm. you're telling a story and, and you've got to be able to stand firm behind a story, even I, when other people go, no, that's not the story. I've had this conversation with other journalists as well. And like, sometimes it can, it, it can in a way, and actually lots of mental health conditions can be a superpower in some respects, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have been ambitious and always chasing, but at the same time, I've always felt it's just a question of time before someone finds me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're always trying to prove yourself so you to harder. somebody else. Yeah. You're not not proving yourself to yourself. Yeah. It's to always to try it to somebody yeah. else. So you do end up working harder and you do take things very, very personally. So you know, it's... And in many ways, I can help you make these achievements yeah and look if I look back on my career there are a few there are some standout moments with stuff that we worked on as teams that were just actually really really good we yeah. changed the law in the UK to help you know, protect children from kidnappers okay so many questions I'm not coping yeah, no, here we just so changed the law about kidnapping we, we thought we were here just to talk about like mental health and you know bring that but kidnapping 
We, when I was, and it was my, my old mentor, a, a great guy called Kevin Booth, who was my editor in York of all places. But we, we discovered at the time that if you were a would-be kidnapper who was going to kidnap a child for sexual purposes, but didn't get to go through with it, then they couldn't, if they couldn't prove it in court, they couldn't put you on the child uh, sex offenders registry. So essentially you've not done anything wrong. You've not done anything wrong. So you couldn't be stopped Even from working. Even though you attempted. With, yeah. Um, Scary. And even if the pro- and in that case, because the CPS, they said, look, basically, we know he kidnapped this child uh, for these reasons. It never happened, but we know it was only because yeah. he was stopped. Um, so we launched a campaign and we took it all the way down to number 10 and we got it through the parliament and the House of Laws and we got the, the law changed. How long did that take? Like, What was that process? That was about a year. We did permit. P- uh, petitions we okay. got MPs involved who were supportive uh, who were supportive we got I don't know you might remember uh, Sarah Payne yeah um, mm-hmm. so Sarah Payne and Sarah Payne uh, Sarah yeah. Payne um, she, her daughter her daughter was kidnapped was and murdered kidnapped, I think. murdered so yeah. she backed the campaign for us as well and then you know um, I think her quote was that ch- we'd protected children forever which was like god you know and at the time I didn't have kids but yeah. you know now looking back how does, that, how does that make you feel now looking back I don't, I don't own it. No, I, I still don't own it. I got to go down number 10 and Tony Blair showed me around number 10 because we campaigned, I ran his campaign in the millennium when there was a recession going on. We got thousands of people back into work. Yeah. So we kind of teamed up with the council. We teamed up with loads of different agencies and got people into work. And Tony Blair invited us down to number 10 and literally there's a picture of me and Tony Blair and he walked us around. What, the, what your opinion of Tony Blair is these days, you know, he was the prime minister of the day. Yeah. And I still look back at it and go, yeah, these are things that happened almost to somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah, it's You're kind, looking kind of, of like outside in. Yeah, it's kind of go, way. right, own it. Because, yeah. and there is something there that at least I can look back and go, I always did want a campaign. So now I'm doing, now, and I sat with some, uh, I sat with a Clifton Strengths coach the other mm. day. There's all yeah. different types of coaching out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good but one though. There is a good I one. I like it. Um, and I got this, you know, you do this random report and it came back and the random report came back and went, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And that was like, that was quite powerful. I almost cried yeah. when I read it because it was just like, I've never actually... It gave you that kind of... Because yeah. these are all like such random That's, weird yeah. questions and yeah. then they come back and they go, right, this, and you, you come to it with a bit of scepticism mm. and then you're reading it and then you it, go, it is, it is you. It is one of the best ones yeah. I've seen out there. Yeah, and I, I was just like, what witchcraft is this? But at the same time, yeah, I was quite emotional. It was like, yeah, you actually are doing what you're supposed to be so doing. When you saw that report mm. and you saw that you are doing actually what you should be doing, what you are naturally gifted in doing, still imposter syndrome? Yeah. It awesome. took me, it really, really took me a couple of reads, three reads to even, because then I met Donal, the guy who did it for me, um, super lad, um, sit down with him. And I was like, again, reading it before I sat down to talk about it, I was like, this is quite powerful, really. Yeah. Mm. You know, to all of a sudden realise, yeah, maybe I do have some strengths and I can actually do this. I mean, I, I, and that is a journey I have been going on because I have launched this business. Yeah. You know, I have worked for other people for, for more than three decades. So just just to sort of linear the, the timeline, mm. went into journalism, started your career over in the UK. How'd you end up here? Well, we went to the Bahamas to start with. Um, as so, you do. As you do. So we got. I was the business editor for a newspaper called the Nassau Guardian. So that was in Nassau, Bahamas. We were there for a year, which was tremendous. So that must be an amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. There's not an awful lot to do there but drink. Okay. And at the time, there was no drink drive law as well. So it wasn't the soberest of years. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was great. And the, the team, the guys I worked with there were fantastic. They were also super hungry because they were all trying to get, mm. you know, Miami was literally 30 minute, uh, 30 minute flyway. So everybody wanted to go and work in Miami. Yeah. 
So yeah, we did that. And then we had a choice between Jamaica. I got offered a job in Jamaica or Abu Dhabi. Okay. To go and work for the National. And at the time, the US were trying to extradite a drug dealer called Dudas Coke. Great name for a drug dealer. That is actually, it's like you couldn't make that up really. No, literally, you know. And so people were getting macheted in the streets and stuff. So we thought, you know what, let's get In Jamaica, I'm assuming. In Jamaica. I was just checking, I wasn't assuming about Abu Dhabi. So we thought, yeah, let's give Abu Dhabi a go. And yeah. Did you know much about Abu Dhabi? Do you know, I really, really didn't. It was kind of like such a leap in the dark. And then we got to, and in the Bahamas, there's not a lot. Yeah. You know, there's beach and there's hotels and there's not a lot. Yeah. And just walking around Abu Dhabi the first few days, I'm literally texting the missus going, we're going to be all right here. It's yeah. going to be good. It's a good place. Um, no, it is a, it's a really good place, mm. you know, and I'm delighted that we washed up here, mm. you know, 13, 14 years ago. So in terms of what you're doing now with Mental, yeah. which is the organization yeah. you've created, where did that come from? How did that happen? Um, well, in my previous job... I, which was editor-in-chief of Arabian Business. I don't talk about it too much. But uh, a lady called Salia, Dr. Salia um, from Lighthouse Arabia. Yeah. We've, had her, we've had her on the show yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah she's amazing. amazing. She's like a for therapy. Yeah. yeah Shout like, out to Dr. Salia. Um, and she wrote this column about how it's not easy for people to stand up to bullies here mm. because at the time as well, and, and thankfully, I mean, the, the government's gone on a big journey in terms of improving people's you know the personal laws employment law mm. golden mm. visas green visas you know but her whole article was kind of like how there are bosses out there that make people feel in fear of their jobs yeah. so it's not just so easy to kind of stand up to a bully mm. because if you do you know at the time and have changed it from 30 days to six months but at the time it's like 30 days and you're out so your yeah. kids lose their school yeah. you know you lose your house your health insurance you lose your existence in this part of the world yeah you know and you look in the uk going i don't want to go back to the UK, yeah. I want to stay here. Big and consequence. That, that really resonated with me because I'd gone through in past experiences some some pretty dodgy, some dark times with toxic leaders. Mm. Um, so I launched a resilience channel mm. and really wanted to lean in. When I took over that job anyway, I wanted not to talk about clickbait, uh, not to talk about Ronaldo or whether it was Ed or not, but to talk about ESG and to talk about diversity, e- yeah. equality and inclusion. Yeah. I wanted to talk about human stuff. And particularly when I took over, we were in the middle of COVID as well. So the business world was really hurting. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, let's be the, let's be, you know, we talk about values. Mm. If we're going to have values, let's be the guys that help. Let's be the guys that amplify. Let's, you know, rising tide lift all boats because yeah. the business community needs to come out of that. Um, I'm not entirely sure my previous employers shared that same vision, you know, but the more you see it, the less you can unsee it. Do you know what I mean? Correct. So yeah. it just felt that I, I was going in that direction i just kept getting pulled in that direction yeah. and then i've got so there's me, you know there's me and my growing self-realization there's what's happened to my dad and then you begin to see yeah what's happening to students and young guys between 19 and 25 and the suicide statistics yeah. which are off the chart you know i've got a seven-year-old girl who basically rules my world i just do as i'm told but she gets, she's going to need better tools growing up in yeah. this world than than i had because it's really really scary out there for just going quickly back, because yeah, yeah. you mentioned about your father a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a huge thing that happened. I guess you want to talk a little bit about that? It just woke me up. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. It was like just like, like a massive bell had gone off inside me or something but like that. Were which you was... back in touch with them? Yeah, we'd been cl- okay. we, oh yeah, we'd, be, we'd been close. Like our adult relationship was yeah. really good. Okay. You know, if I looked at him as a father, you know, and he got remarried and he was, he was happy 
with his second wife, very much so. Um, yeah. His children, are, who are my brothers and sisters, great kids, yeah. um, more confident than, than we were growing up. Because at the time, you know, my dad wasn't happy, but he was an angry man. Yeah. You know, uh, as like so many, many guys, men are. Yeah, yeah, so were, but particularly of that, you know, they were in a marriage and they weren't happy. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't really an out back then. No. There it was wasn't an expectation Nothing. that it was, you would stay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that impacted him. But no, we had a good relationship as, uh, as grown-ups, but we never got on to talking about feelings, talking about, you know, there was some stuff I did, you know, we talked about the past. And, I, you know, I had to have a pretty robust conversation with him as well because, you know, the way the family broke down and the way that I got kicked out and he didn't take me in. He did have the opportunity to take me in. He got did actually help me out and put me into temporary accommodation. Yeah. So thanks very much, Dad. But again, Could be more. you know, if I, and I feel like I'm sounding like I'm blaming and my mother's situation with that stepfather as well i'm i'm not going to blame her for it because he was an awful person she ended up with a very controlling very just Mm. he was he's since left this world which is not a bad thing that's sounded uncharitable but that happens yeah but uh, but i had you know my dad had some responsibility for that as well you know so i had to work through that and have some pretty difficult conversations with him going like why didn't you take me in yeah. yeah, but you're saying he was going through his own but, mental challenges. Yeah, he was going through his own mental challenges. He's going through his own, and I think he just got with a new partner. And look, I've been divorced as well, and it isn't easy. I know it's not easy because you, you don't know how much do you lean into your new partnership, and and how much do you try and protect any kind of friendship's probably the wrong word, but you know, particularly because I've got a, a child with my previous wife as well. So there needs to be communication. Yeah, there has but, to be a relationship. There has well. to be a relationship. Yeah. So again, it's difficult because. My, so I can kind of understand where my both my mum and my dad ended up because there's no manual for it. No, nope. you know you, you kind of learn as you go. You learn as you go. Now you'd hope that values guide you through, and I think you know I've managed to get to a point. I'm very grateful now. Where I've got a great second marriage, got great family, and the line of communication is now not toxic. Yeah. Um, so my boy comes out and he comes out and enjoys mm. Dubai. You know, we often go back and say, no, I'll come and see you. <laughs> yeah, of course. You in Dubai. Yeah, he goes out to the UK, Dubai, it's fine. Yeah. But what, what, yeah. what broke your dad? What broke my dad? Um, well, it's a very complicated one, but he'd watched his mother go into a care home. As her mother, his mother got addicted to painkillers back in the 1970s. Mm. So she ended up in a care home and her brain went to mush. He watched her and she was super, super intelligent and he idolised his mother. And he watched her, so he watched her disappear in front of his eyes. He went, so really what happened was kind of like, he went in to have a double knee operation and walked out the next day because he's a hard guy. Yeah, as they do. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. The other word is be idiot. Yeah. Uh, But then he couldn't take the anti-inflammatories. He couldn't take the the painkillers. He couldn't take the tablets. He had this mental aversion to the the, the previous experience. Because of his mother. So then he just started medicating with alcohol, but trying to cover up the pain because he was just eating... As hard as it was, he was in absolute agony. Yeah. Because he'd just had two knee operations and walked down the next day. So he was an idiot. But we were trying to reach him. And I, I'm in Dubai. He's an England guy. Take the painkillers, take the painkillers. But he couldn't go over that mental block. Mm-hmm. And then the alcohol just took, took hold of him. Oh, and, it's a monster. And he was gone. He was gone. Literally three months later, he was gone. Wow. And I, I was always like, nice, thanks, Dad. He's so strong. Of course, he's, he'll get but, over this. Was it the alcohol that got him? Uh, what, yeah, well, in the caught- end, he had... Um, like a, a brain aneurysm, which oh, is, geez. so there was cirrhosis of the liver, but cirrhosis of the liver also then causes um, hallucinations and all that sort of thing. He, he got to the point where the doctor said, 
you cannot give up alcohol tomorrow. If you give up alcohol, your body will shut down. Your body will shut down. Yeah. It's not reliant. Yeah. So, but he just, he couldn't get through it, you know, and ended up with a bleed on his brain and they tried to operate and all that kind of thing. The saddest thing here was that it was avoidable. Yeah. Yeah, and that's again if that the ability to be able to. I mean, how many guys are out there right now though that we Some can't? Are. We you were going to give the statistic. Oh wait, well, it's one of the biggest suicides. One of the biggest killers of men right now. Yeah, like, particularly between forty and forty-nine. Mm. I'm I'm glad I'm fifty. Um, you made it through. You made it through. But if we look at you know you look at boys nineteen to twenty-five, second biggest killer of yeah. Yeah. you know in the UK is of young men is suicide. But also that forty to forty-nine, it's it's huge. Well, it's a real transition time. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. I mean, because at that point you've got guys who have got like, so you've got the, I've literally posted about it today actually, um, okay. but you've got the responsibilities of being a husband, you've got the responsibilities of being a father. If you're a manager, you've got responsibility to your team, mm-hmm. you've got responsibility to the profit and loss, you've got responsibility to your boss or the board, you know, then you've got school fees and you've got, so there's and also all, ego, you know, being a strong masculine but that's yeah. person. And that, your and that's responsibility it. is all, of all that. that. You yeah. can't possibly say you're not coping. Yeah. And then physically, your body you know, if we talk about what happens to your body at past, for, for, you know, the, the brunch belly, <laughs> brunch belly comes, the moves come, you True. don't look as good, yeah. you don't feel things as good. Things start to fail. Your testosterone levels genuinely do start to go down. They That's drop the physical sig- thing. They drop happening. significantly. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you, you haven't got energy. You think you look like crap. Yeah. You're not looking after yourself. You've got all those responsibilities and you can't talk to anybody about it because if you do, you're weak, which is such BS. Yeah. Is. You know, and my, on this journey with this, this mission, this platform that, that with mental, the amount of times I sit down with guys in particular and so quickly do we get mm. to the mental health conversation. And maybe yeah. it's just because now my antenna's up. Yeah. But guys, they need to talk about it. Do you feel that they are starting to talk about it that it's getting better? A bit. Yeah. A bit. Um, and we'd, we're running a mental a men's retreat soon which is kind of like a blend of physical and um, mental health. So there's paddle boarding with meditation. Nice. There's fire and ice, which is sauna as an ice bath, which are yeah. really, really good. It's for really me. good, really good. Like really recently. good. But then there's some stuff in there as well, which is like Reiki and yeah, sound Which works. Which, which, yeah. which does work, you know. Um, you've got, you've got a bit you, of a hurdle to get but over you, you've perception, got, right? Exactly. Because it's like, that. Well, it's like, I don't want to do that. It's spiritual. Yeah, it's a bit woo-woo. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll send my wife. Yeah, but yeah, we were lucky enough to be on stage with Deepak Chopra. And he was like, yeah. literally, you know, all the multimillionaires and the billionaires, That's what they're, they're, all do. it. they're all doing yeah. it. Yeah, well, all they've, the been successful... doing it. they've been doing it for, from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. That's why they've so this survived. So is, this, this is the secret. Like, it isn't weak. It's smart. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, do think it, I do think men are taking more notice of this now because when I went to my um, therapy sessions with Lighthouse, yeah. I was quite interested. I walked into the reception area and it's full of men. Good. And as I was sat there waiting for my for my appointment, it was men coming out of the rooms. Yeah. And I think that was one of the key things which I took away from that because like, I thought there was stigma around going for therapy yeah you, t- you told me to go for therapy I, for so I was long like just, and i never went and it was no. always because i don't want to be perceived as being weak so hard to watch yeah. it really like that's the thing you know i've got two brothers yeah. they've gone through stuff and i just look at them and i'm like and i can see yeah i can see the pain yeah and they're like no i'm fine i'm like you're not fine no you know you know just speak to someone and especially for me this is close to home because middle eastern culture you don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it's no, not acceptable. Dan, there yeah, is no nothing. such thing as mental health. Yeah. You're fine. Just, you know, I, whenever man I... Up. Yeah, man up. Or like I used to get, have a vitamin B, you'll be fine. And it's yeah. like, no, not fine. They're trying, you know, I mean, the UE here, to be fair, they are trying to change huge, that now. But um, we huge. work with Dr. Nahida a lot. She's the chair of the UE Mental Health Task Force. Mm. They've got a new mental health strategy coming. They, they recognize from a yeah. kind of, you know, actually... 
often when we look at the the UK, it's you know, the, the the public sector lags the private sector. Yeah. Here, the public sector is completely leading the charge. Yeah. And it's the private sector that needs to wake up to this Very and realise that this is the direction of travel. You know, we can't put mental health back oh. in the box. We can't go back no. to that Victorian steel no. mill mentality. And and. But it's, is, but it's a cultural change as yeah. well, right? You, yeah. you like it's fantastic. Like it, you are right; it's fantastic. The middle, especially the UAE, is you know yeah. setting setting the scene and setting a really great benchmark. But you can build it, but the people need to come. So yeah. that's the next hurdle: getting the community to understand that it's okay. Well, because, there's two things going on. Sorry, I, I, I rant about this all the no, time. No, I love this. But the business, but the business world. It's like there's two things you got to recognize. One, well, there's loads of things you need to recognize. But we, you don't get to put this back in the box. Mm. You look at Gen Z and you look at the True. millennials. If you want talent. And the only way your company has any kind of sustainable future is if you attract the talent. They're like, I don't want your treadmill. I don't want your awful existence. I mean, I don't know when we got past this point where all of a sudden, like maybe it was around the 2000s, but we convinced everybody that work was more important than their life, than their kids, than their health. And the only thing that you should be worried about is making somebody else more money. Um, Now the pandemic, the well, the, you know, the great resignation, all that sort of thing. Well, all the multiple recessions. Yeah. yeah. And we've got the kids who are coming through and they're looking at, at the world of work anyway. And yeah. going, Which is hard it's for them. A, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a Ponzi scheme. Why should I go and do that? Yeah. I've got enough tools here. And, and now we've got AI coming down the tracks, you know, mid journey, chat GPT, all that sort yeah. of thing. The kids can just go, oh, I don't need to come and work for you. I don't want yeah. this. Why no. would I want that? No. And, and I've worked with managing directors and chairmans and all that sort of thing and they'll look at the kids and go well we were miserable they should be miserable too oh, I was like well is you're just, the worst thing to well, say of course because right? you're just kind of like perpetuating that cycle like, yeah. like that but, cycle's being broken now it's like but they don't need to, they don't have to be miserable but no? it's not just that the fact that you were miserable isn't that a reason to want to, to create change. a change <laughs> yeah Why? No, but like, we, when we you say that it, so they should have to but survive you're basically it saying, was character building no it wasn't it was just no. bloody awful yeah and it was actually causing trauma yeah. that but, we're on now trying to fix yeah yeah <laughs> but you're also like so you're saying you want a world for your kids to be where they get and I don't where they're get miserable it. and yeah. they're horrible I literally don't get it and like, it's funny be the change you want to see in the uh, world it's funny because my, my boy a boy 21 he, like, he's just he graduated he's got his first job um, and he's in aerospace engineering. He's got actually a really decent job and they work four days a week and they get to finish early on a Friday yeah. and they can do remote working. So he's in a good position. And he's already going, well, yeah, but I don't like this treadmill. You know, I have to get up at 7.30 and then I go to work and then I finish at four o'clock and then I've only got time to go to the gym for two hours. And then I've got, you know, and, uh, it's like, you're okay, like, take the wins. Uh, yeah, take the wins. And part of me wants to go, <laughs> and the other part of me is like, yeah, but actually, I don't mind the fact you're questioning this now. Yeah, yeah. of course. So what well, actually what I've said is, look, I, you need to get the experience, mate. You need yeah. to get that on your CV and you need to learn those lessons. But if you're already looking now and going, I don't need, necessarily need to be on this treadmill mm. like you, Dad, for three decades. Yeah. So like, look for the opportunity. Look, to, you know, look how you're going to do it. Or if you get to the point in this job and you go, I don't like this. Screw it. Yeah. Leave it. Go and find the thing that you do want to do. Um, and that's a conversation that when I came into the world of work, never happened. I was lucky with journalism. Yeah. You know, it was something well, that I was passionate was a, about. Yeah. I was, just, I've always been a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have conversations, probably talk too much, but it's a good thing uh, on podcasts. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. <laughs> but so I, I've been looking in that profession, but there's so many people that get trapped in jobs. Yeah. That, they it's like, that they hate. Yeah. And it's like, and they just well, stay in them for life. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, for the kids, so going, circling all the way back, 
like companies now that don't get this. Um, they're the Walking Dead. Yeah. They are they're obsolete eventually. They will be obsolete. Yeah, they will be obsolete. And then when you speak to people who are advising the government, there's a guy called Dr. Mazen who advises the Dubai Health Authority and we were on a panel together and he was basically saying, look, this train's coming down the tracks. You can either be on board it or you can yeah. be run down by it. Yeah. And it will get to the point where, because we know like the UE altered its uh, working day, you know, the, went yeah. from the five day to the 4.5 day. Yeah. And when they did it, okay, there were some practical reasons mm. aligning international markets, yeah. but they also said work-life ma- matters. Yeah. And we're all going to like, when, when's the four-day week coming? When's the four-day week coming? We, yeah. we probably will get there, but... I mean, it's there essentially already, yeah. in many ways. Is, yeah. Said the yeah. guy sitting on a podcast at three o'clock on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. I know, but if you look around our offices, no one's here. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. we just do four-day working weeks. Yeah. So what, what is your vision for mental what is it that you want to bring into this world? I want us to all have more conversations. Someone asked me the other day, it's like, how do you ta- tackle stigma? It's like one conversation at a time. Yeah. But we need you to have open, honest conversations. The reason why we're called mental rather than fluffy brain sparkle mm. is because you just want to, again, have say direct, it say it as it is. Fluffybrainsparkle.com was also taken. So we can get that, that website. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's just like, we need to, the figures, and again, I'm Mr. St- I'm Mr. Statistic, oh, one in three people, this is the, so the World Health Organization said one in four will be impacted. There's research here by the Zayed University, University of UE, all that sort of thing. This is one in three here. It's one in three. And they're the people that present to the system. Mm. Yeah. So statistically, wow. it's one in three. Yeah. You know, and we know it's two or 2.5 or, yeah. you know, if you're going to get from zero to 99 and not have an issue, you've, you've hit the lottery and it's probably not we true. We all have issues. No, yeah. we, all, we, all, we, all, just, we all have issues. Many people just don't know they have no. them at yeah. the time and it takes so, something But it's like what you said, self-awareness is a massive thing. And I think we need to transition as well and we're not there yet, even with the medical profession. You know, again, to go Celia, she talks about the physical side and the mental mm. side. Like we, t- we talk about them as if they're not connected. Well, they but, they, but they are. So There's one system. Like we, yeah. we haven't just taken our brain and put it one side. And oh, yeah. well, yeah, that's that's fine. So we spent a long time talking about physical health, and we're yeah. kind of beginning to get to that point where okay, so we go to the gym, or we know that alcohol's not good for us, or we know we need to hydrate, or we need. It's like, but what do we do for our yeah? You know, and even like we go to the gym and we take the vitamins, we we do maintenance. Yeah, yeah. But when it's mental health. That I'm glad you're going to therapy because yeah. Celia would also say to you that it, that it is maintenance. Yeah. It's a checkup. It it's is. not not necessarily I have to be in crisis yeah. to go and see a therapist. And oh. I think that whole conversation where it's go right, it's one system. So yeah. we a tagline one of the taglines of the business is like let's let's make all health mental health. Yeah. You know because it is. You know oh, like it's interesting it. on a personal story. Like, like it took me to get like put on weight and to feel horrible and then to have like a, an emotional mental breakdown to then yeah. go like I need to fix both of them and by fixing both of them simultaneously it's been the most amazing thing ever yeah I, I see people that even look going for that walk in the first place yeah. is a really good place mm-hmm. to start yeah but it is yeah it, it, it's not just physically yeah. it helps you've got this. to keep going yeah. it's like yeah. have to and it's, my dad used to always say and and it just and he did a lot of walking he used to always say when the mind's not good exercise yeah and I'm like and that's great that he took it that far, but it's like, take, take it further. It's got to go further. Yeah. You know, do the exercise fine to sort of quieten the mind, but now go deal with the mind. And yeah. on that note, do you think we will take it further? Do you think it'll get to the point where the stigma around mental health and everything will, I, I, will I, diminish? I, you know, okay, so I've launched the business and we're one year in. I don't think I'm going to be able to put myself out of business in a year's time, mm. but ultimately, yeah, I do think we do because I don't think we've got any... There's no other way to I go. I mean, you look at... U.S. Surgeon General just this week um, turned around and talked about loneliness. 
Yeah. You know, which is another it's condition. Big one. Big one. Well, I now had that the friend this week. Now the science tells us, and the US Surgeon General has said, this is as bad for us as tobacco. It's a public health crisis. Agreed. Oh, Agreed. Wow. We're social humans. Yeah. Humans are social. Yeah. We're we're community based. But you can also we're be lonely that. whilst being social. But you are. But, yeah. but, but yeah. the thing is, the world has become a lonely world. Yeah. The world we've created. Yet we're more connected than ever. But that's the but sense. We're, but, but we're and yet we're lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And we're we're less we're, connected. But we're connected we're not, yeah. in a digital world. Yeah. yeah. No longer in a physical world. Yeah. In an emotional world. Yeah. So how can people reach out to you? I've got, I've got, Dad's giving me the... <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap it up because well, we can keep going. The website, the, so Mental Space, uh, M-E-N-T-L. Uh, yeah. So it's mental.space, S-P-A-C-E. So that's yeah. our website, mental.space. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look for Scott Armstrong or Scott Armstrong Editor. Animal. That's how I came across you. I, something popped up on LinkedIn. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to speak to this guy in yeah. the other call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I think I've, I'm sorry to everyone on LinkedIn. I'm not going to shut up. So you just you can't. No, don't please you dare. Don't, no, please, please keep going. We, like, we're going to be following you. This is wonderful. Uh, thank you. Look, and again, one conversation at a time. Yeah. So I'm really, really grateful to you guys Anytime. having this conversation this is the think, first think, of many yeah i think, we'll get, I think we'll get them back in next season sure. to see where where it's at and uh, how you're helping the, the men that we love in this world absolutely yeah. well it's not just men it's everyone yeah brilliant true yeah. thanks scott thanks so great Loved thank it. you thank you so Anytime. much thank Cheers. you thank you for listening to rooted within if you like this episode please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future rooted within with lily and dan 